Welcome back. Good to have you. Excited today. Bill Michaels Show. This portion of the Bill Michaels Show, all the exciting stuff that we have coming up for heading out to Vegas, your coverage of Super Bowl 58, everything. Got to say thanks to our friends at Quick Trip. Did you know? Now, I go into Quick Trip all the time. And did you know tonight's going to be one of those nights where I got to go in for the uh, – because I'm on the go. I got meetings tonight. So tonight I think it might be the spicy chicken penne. Might do that. Or the mac and cheese. Now, they've got uh, the fettuccine Alfredo. These are all take-home meals. You can just grab them, pop them in the oven. They've got chicken, bacon, mac and cheese, too, by the way. It's on sale right now, four ninety nine. Great stuff. Unless you get really crazy and you want to do the meat. Believe it or not, the meatloaf tastes like mom used to make. It's really, really good. With mashed potatoes and gravy, that's on sale, five ninety nine. I can go through the whole list. I mean, the spicy chicken is five ninety nine, normally eight ninety nine. The mac and cheese, the regular mac and cheese is three forty nine versus four forty nine. They have spaghetti and meatballs. I mean, go on and on. Great stuff over there with our friends at Quick Trip. Great, great, great stuff. I I love to talk about Quick Trip all the time. Uh, I was in there yesterday getting gas and uh, got all gassed up. But now today I'm on the move, and i got to pick a couple things up on the way home. So I'm going to get some orange juice, the Nature's uh, Touch orange juice, which I love. And then I stop in and I get a, a take-home meal, and that's, that's what I'm doing tonight because tonight it's all packing. Uh, short of... Packing up some of the equipment for the show uh, at the end of the day tomorrow. Uh, I will be all packed and ready to go tonight as we get ready to wing our way out to Vegas to cover the Super Bowl. So uh, I am looking forward to it. And tonight, just helping me along is our great friends over there at Quick Trip. Oh, it's so good. Such good stuff. Thanks to our friends at Quick Trip. And as they say, see you next time. I love that. I always try to beat them to the punch when I walk out the door. Good, good stuff. 877 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. 1670, you want to hit us up, please feel free to go ahead and do so. So Goody's speaking right now, and yes. we'll have some audio of that, I would imagine, before the show is done. This Dan, this Dan Quinn thing is weird to me, Bill. I thought Washington was a better job. I'm surprised they couldn't get one of these young and up-and-coming guys. I don't know. It feels like this was I, kind of the last choice. I, uh, I don't understand the Dan Quinn thing. I mean, I kind of get it. He's a guy. He's in the division. Uh, you're, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're getting better by process of elimination by taking him out of the Cowboys organization, but I, I just Dan, why is Dan Quinn's name so big? Is it just because he's been with the Cowboys and he's been talked about for a while? Well, he ran a good defense. I thought it was Seattle or bust for Dan Quinn because he had been there before, and that right. made sense. That kind of fit the culture that they have up there. I, Man, I, I think Washington wanted Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald. I'm surprised that no one was jumping at this Washington job. You got no expectations. You can pick your quarterback after Caleb Williams. You can kind of have your your pick of the yeah. litter at number two. And you can slowly build it up and, and grow with your team and really be in on the ground floor. And Dan Quinn is not a guy who I – like, he would want to join a team that's more ready to win, I would think. This just seems like such an odd yeah. fit. I, I, don't, I don't know. He is uh, – for those that are just tuning in, they've announced him as the – new head coach of the Washington Commanders, and as Diana Rossini reported, that they did talk to Belichick. And they wouldn't say why they didn't take Belichick, but the rumors are all that Belichick wants staff, people, control. And there's not – I kept saying there's not a lot of teams that are going to go, okay, Bill, you've done a great job the last two years, and you basically ruined Mac Brown's career once Josh McDaniel left. So here's the keys to the kingdom. It's not going to happen. And so I don't – I don't know where Belichick, 
may not, he may come back as a coach in, for a couple of years with a protege or something, but Bill Belichick may never be a head coach again. He may never be a head coach again because it's just it, there's not many people, uh, owners. And if you're a general manager and you're interviewing Bill Belichick, you're looking at him, you're talking to him, and you know he doesn't want you around. That's got to be an awkward thing. So I, I I don't know if Bill Belichick's – I would assume he's going to work again, but I really thought he'd have a job. Like, he'd have his pick of the litter, and instead, no, not at all. There's four or five jobs open, and Bill Belichick wasn't really a true, honest candidate for any of them because he wanted his people. He has to have everything his way. And, that, again, that may be his own undoing by the time it's all – he may never get to Don Shula's record – all because he, he's got to have all the control, which would then be his ultimate downfall. But interesting stuff. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. So coming up the next hour, uh, I know Goody is speaking right now, and if there's anything breaking news that comes out of it, we'll get it to you. But I want you to hear the whole thing coming up a little bit later on. So we're going to get into all of that. Uh, so we'll, we'll cover Goody. Uh, we got to Ben Steele coming up bottom of the hour. He's going to talk some Marquette basketball because we got to give them a little bit of time. Hell yeah, they're doing well as well. So we got to go in that direction. So we're going to do that. In the meantime, Halfley is the new defensive coordinator in Green Bay. We can open it up on that. Uh, the other, uh, there's two things that I wanted to touch on. By the way, Zach Orr is the new defensive coordinator for the Ravens. The guy that I wanted for the Packers is now we figured there'd be a trickle-down effect. If Zach Orr was legitimately being considered by the Packers, we knew there'd be a trickle-down effect once they hired McDonald in Seattle and McDonald left the Ravens organization. We figured one of those two candidates would be the next, whether it's Christian Walker or Zach Orr, and Zach Orr gets the defensive coordinator's job in Baltimore. So he stays in Baltimore, but, he, but he's elevated. So we, we knew that kind of was coming, and that was the reason that – the Packers weren't going to get Zach or, or, or them um, out of Christian Walker out of Baltimore. So now maybe Christian Walker they didn't want. Maybe they wanted to go in a different direction anyway because he's still available. He could have been a DC here, but yeah, that's uh, you kind of knew Zach or wasn't going to be the guy because that's the guy that I've been pining for for a while now. But uh, they keep him down there in Baltimore. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about. And we really haven't done a lot of discussion regarding it. And that is the fact that you have got twice now Doc Rivers, quote, you know, looking for his first win. Uh, and he hasn't gotten it. What does it mean? I don't think it, it – and I know that there was uh, – I was watching last night on Twitter, uh, which I usually do. That's kind of like how I watch things now. I watch the game of, of interest, uh, of local interest. And then I'll watch Twitter or, you know, Facebook or Instagram or whatever. But I'm watching reaction to all of this. And, you know, Doc's not the guy and this and that. Look, I, I don't know. I, I was never high on Doc Rivers, but I don't know if he's the guy or not. I, I couldn't tell you. It's too short a period of time. And the litmus test needs to be at least 15 games before you start to see significant change. But it's deeper than a head coach. And if you think it's just trading out the head coach, I, I think you're wrong. I, I This – the circumstance is the same. The talent level is vastly different. Okay, so do not make think that I'm making a comparison in talent. But this reminds me of when the Bucks were on the cusp 
And they just needed something, just needed something to put them over the top. And George Carl wanted Anthony Mason. Just got to have Anthony Mason. And I remember even that's what got Terry Stotts ultimately fired. Got to have Anthony Mason. And they traded away Ray Allen for the glove. And it just, it, it, it broke up the dynamic and the chemistry. Things weren't great anyway, but they weren't that bad. And then they went all in. They went all in on Anthony Mason. And Anthony Mason, it just, it was just different. And now, granted, the, the talent level between Damian Lillard and Anthony Mason is, you know, 14 light years apart. But it just, it never worked. For what everybody thought was going to put him over the top, and you were going to have this badass, this defensive prowess, this guy that was going to get your boards and putbacks and all that stuff, never happened. First of all, I don't think he could jump over a credit card. That was the, that was first and foremost. But it just, it screwed everything up. Maybe, I'm only throwing out maybe, the Damian Lillard trade. For whatever needed to be done and you had to trade, you had to throw value out there. Maybe the Damian Lillard trade, if this doesn't work out, maybe the Damian Lillard trade would probably not have been the best move. Drew Holiday had heart. He had soul. I'm not saying Lillard doesn't. I'm just saying he had Milwaukee heart and Milwaukee soul and wanted to be here and really loved the city and just loved coming to work every day. I don't know what Damian Lillard likes or doesn't like, but I do know that whatever's on the floor right now will not win a championship. Mark my words. Right now, the way they're playing and looking around, and it's just I'm so stunned, so stunned at watching this team. Somebody's taking a shot, and you got four other guys running to the other end of the floor. Nobody gives two dams about offensive boards and cleaning the glass and doing the dirty work. There is nobody on this team that wants to get dirty. Nobody. And to me, that equates to selfish and lazy. It, you just, the only guy that I see that plays, I mean, a, a this is my job defense is probably Brooke Lopez. Bobby Portis to a certain extent. Giannis likes to be, you know, in the running for the defensive player of the year. But even Giannis at times, you know, it, it's maybe he read the press clippings too much. But I, it just there's something innately wrong. It just is. So I hope Doc's able to figure it out because I'm a Bucks fan. But just uh, man, not uh, not uh, not going the way that they had hoped. At least right out of the gate. Now, here's the other thing, and I heard you guys talking about this a little bit earlier with Evo on the morning show, uh, Grant. The whole 65-game minimum for players in the NBA to be considered for certain players of the year, defensive, offensive, all that kind of stuff, and some of the players are upset about this. Uh, and and give, give me first of all, give me your thoughts on the minimum of 65 games need to be played for you to be considered for the awards. Well, I think it's fine. That's historically kind of what we've done anyways, right? If you miss a certain number of games, you're discredited a little bit in those conversations. Now they just put an official number to it. Right. So I think it's fine. It's a little bit of a bummer if someone turns their ankle for two weeks and like if someone were to play 62 games, right. but it'd still be really awesome. Like that's a bummer. But I don't know. This was bargained on by the players and by their representation. Like it's not it's something mm-hmm. the NBA all of a sudden did overnight. This was agreed to. 
Right. And, and I know some of the players have talked, uh, kind of like spoken out about it. And this is what I wanted to get to. I am not uh, by any means a, any kind of a Stephen A. fan, Stephen A. Smith. And I, but I respect him because he's got strong opinions and he can back it up. I don't always agree with him, but he's got a lot of strong opinions, and, and those make me think. And there are times where he, gets, he delves into the racial issues and where it doesn't need to be. You know, it's not a racial issue. It's just this is X's and O's, not colors. But in this particular case, when he started to go off on the players, and he was, he's 100% right, 100% right, many people believed and argued for players to get paid. Players to get paid. They deserve to share the money. They are, especially in the NBA, and more so because in, in the NFL, yeah, you match up like Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy, but they don't play against one another. It's Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs against Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. It's 49ers Chiefs. It's logo, logo. But when you see the matchups, uh, say, on ESPN or on TNT or on TBS or on ABC, it's always LeBron and fill-in-the-blank or Giannis and fill-in-the-blank. It's very rarely do they market it as Milwaukee against Chicago. They, it, that, that's not a sexy matchup. But the matchup of the faces are. You with me so far? So what they did was they said, look, the faces are what you are promoting. Therefore, the faces are what people are paying to see. I've always been a big advocate of you bought a ticket to see a game. Then that's it. And if your guy doesn't play, so be it. Don't be don't be mad because it you're, it's it's a lottery. You may see him, you may not. The majority of the time, you will. But fans get so mad because LeBron's not playing, or Giannis isn't playing, or Dame isn't playing. You, you get the point. But in the NBA, he's Stephen A. is one hundred percent correct. It is the only sport that basically pits player in face against player in face, and not team against team. It's the only one because they showcase their stars so much. So the guys got paid, and we're not talking a little. They are the most, the highest paid collective group of teammates per team out of any league. The money's guaranteed, and it is ridiculous. Where everybody, like the like a minimal player is making over a million bucks. Just a just a piecemeal, end of the bench, craptastic performer, million bucks, two million bucks. That is just because that's the kind of money that's in the NBA. So when the guys got paid and many of the, quote, stars got paid, and now you've got guys that are supposedly banged up. Now, just the other day, they had a guy that left the game. And then before the game was over, he had already left the arena and was at a club doing Instagram. And fans went, I can't remember who this guy was. Do you remember who it was, Grant, off the top, top of your head? I can't. Now I need to look this up. Yeah, there was somebody that was actually out at a club like that night, partying, hanging out, because he had supposedly had an injury, but he's out partying. And it's like, wait a minute. You guys got, you're getting 30, 40, 50 million a year. Yeah, you have an 82-game grind. Yeah, back-to-backs are a bitch. I get it. And you play in the most athletic sport, in my opinion, in the world. I understand that. 
but you're getting a ton of money and the face of franchises. And now you're complaining if you don't reach 65 games. I get it. If you have a two-week ankle sprain or a three-week, there should be a an asterisk for that. You should be able to get an exemption. But this whole thing about complaining that you got to play 65 games when you're being paid 20, 30, 40, 50 million bucks, and now you're, you're kind of taking advantage of it because I need a night of rest. No, no, no. It doesn't cut it anymore. It doesn't cut it. You're now property, man. You're a self-contracting piece of property, and you're being paid to do something, and that is play an 82-game season and get your team to the postseason and then play additional games and strive for a championship. And if you just want the money and you want to walk away and play less than 65 games and you're going to complain about it, then to me it should be, sure, you don't have to play 65 games, but you lose whatever that portion of your, for every game, is that portion percentage out of your salary that you don't get paid. So if you need a night off and you only everything below 65, say you you play 60 games, so 12% or 12 games whatever it is out of 82% 82 games whatever, that percentage comes out of your pay. You give it automatically right back. So 5 million, 8 million, 9 million dollars goes right back to the team. That's fine cuz you're getting paid to do a job. If you're hurt, you're hurt. You can't do anything about that. But this whole rest thing after you fought so hard to get paid, now you got paid, now you got your face out there, now you're the face of the franchise, but yet there's nights that you're tired? Ah, come on, man. Come on. And that's the innate problem right now with the NBA, is that it looks like guys want the money and don't want to work hard for it anymore. And as we're sitting here talking about a team that doesn't want to play defense and looks lazy, and they're supposed to be this championship contender, but they only want to play offense? Nah, come on. No. You can't claim you're tired because you're not playing any defense. So that doesn't cut it anymore. So, and, and for that, and that's the Cliff Notes version of what Stephen A. Smith said, for that, 100% dead on the money. Dead on the money. That's it. 877-867-1670. Hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. 877-867-1670. Potawatomi Hotel Casino. Oh, my God, I was down there today. They have now like a food court. Uh, it's called the, uh, the Potawatomi marketplace, which is awesome. It's burgers and ice creams and steaks and you name it. Then they've got the eat in restaurants, Ryu, uh, or Ruyi is, uh, is the name of the place. The Asian cuisine, dream dance, steakhouse, rock and brews. You've still got the, uh, canal street cafe, which I ate at this morning, which was fabulous by the way. Uh, and then you've got like bar, mini bars, the three sixty bar. You've got the bars upstairs. It's just so many cool things. And they're expanding even more. They're building a whole new entryway between the hotel and the casino. They're putting in the big, giant Las Vegas-style sports book. I mean, it's amazing if you haven't been down there in a while. It's amazing. Go see our friends at Potawatomi Hotel Casino. Just stay. Stay, for, stay in place. Stay for a night. Hang out. Just enjoy yourself. Go to PaysBig.com. That's PaysBig.com. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show. Come Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back, the Bill Michaels Show. Continuing on. 
1670. Love to hear from you. Give us a shout uh, if you want to. You can. Um, what else do we got for you today? We got uh, some Marquette basketball chatter coming up at the bottom of the hour. We are going to hear from Brian Gudekinst in about uh, about 40 minutes from now. Don't go anywhere. So we're going to hear the uh, entire presser with Goody talking about the season, talking about positions, um, you know, the new defensive coordinator hire, and get his thoughts on all of this, on all of this 2023-2024 uh, season. That is coming up uh, just after the top of the hour, so don't go anywhere with that either. Um, this is from uh, Packer Raymond, who says, uh, the hire of Halfley has me a little bit concerned why did they go into the college ranks, and why did they not grab one of the guys that we were talking about all along? Why is Jim Leonard not on that list? Well, okay, are you hometown? Are you are you the Homer guy? Because you just said why did they go to the college ranks, and then you said why is Jim Leonard not on that list? I don't know specifically who they did and didn't talk to. We kind of got you know Brandon Staley. Apparently, they talked to, but one of the things, and we talked about this with Peter Bukowski. And we talked about this, you know, with just about everybody, Pete, Pete Doherty, you know, Eric Baranchek, Mike Clements. They were interviewing people, but the word was out, shut your mouth. Maybe not to the candidates, but within that building, I'm sure people up in Green Bay, and I'm, as we all know, they were talking to people, whether it was Zoom or flying them in. We know that. It wasn't like they were sitting there going, shh, we're not going to talk to anybody. That way nobody knows what's going on. They, they weren't doing that. They were talking to people the whole time. We don't know who they did and didn't talk to. But because of what happened um, with, uh, my assumption, with the whole Jim Leonard thing the last time, and then it became known that Jim Leonard, at least according to Jim Leonard, was indeed offered the job, and then it became also known that Joe Barry was the second or whatever choice it was down the line, it it did it, it wasn't a good look. So this time they said, we're not telling anybody anything. You'll find out when we want you to find out. And that's what they did. That's that's what they did. So um we don't know who they did and didn't interview and who they were considering. And I don't think they're gonna go too, too deep into it, to be perfectly honest with you. I just don't because of all the stuff that happened last time. We did learn that they interviewed Wink Martindale as well. We don't know how deep they got into the process, but he was a name that until yesterday we previously hadn't heard, except for, you know, on wish lists from Packers fans and and bloggers and stuff. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know specifically who they were or weren't, but you know, Brian Gutekinst is, you know, uh, Speaking and kind of giving the the lay of the land, and we'll hear from him. But I know that they had, look, it's the Packers. You can cast a wide net. I don't know what other jobs that other guys were considering. Now, I, I it was Zach Orr, I get it. Look, he, he had a chance to move up as a defensive coordinator. You weren't going to get him. The minute McDonald left for Seattle, we knew that was coming. But the rest, I don't know. And like I said, I Staley... Some people were high on him. I wasn't. I just watched the way he kind of handled things. I thought, boy, if you're handling things like that, maybe maybe the pressure is just not good. But he was a good defensive coordinator at the time. So maybe he's Ray Rhodes-esque. He's not cut out to be 
the head coach. But, man, when it comes to being a defensive coordinator and scheming against offenses, maybe he's great. I don't know. But I, they, they didn't get him, so be it. I, I don't even know if they offered him anything. They could have just interviewed and said, eh, maybe, maybe they saw the same thing we saw. Guy didn't handle the pressure very well, and maybe they didn't, didn't want that. You know, I don't know. So we'll find out more from uh, Brian Gutekinst. Um, so we'll see. I know that, uh, you know, as Goody uh, has stated, that they're excited. Uh, they're excited to see where they can take the roster. Uh, and then obviously to get Halfley started and start evaluating the talents that, that's there and where they need to upgrade it. So we'll hear all that coming up here in just a little bit. Do want to talk some Marquette basketball. Marquette, as much as uh, Badger basketball is doing extremely well, Marquette's been really, really good this year in the Big East also. And uh, they've opened a lot of eyes. And, and if, you don't, if you're not from the Milwaukee area, look, the, the, the way it kind of reigns supreme in the, in the landscape of college, that you've got UW-Madison. The Badgers are they're king of the hill. It's what everybody pays attention to. And then there is the hardcore for Marquette fan. And they are staunch, very hardcore. Uh, but that is kind of like that next level. And then after that, you got UW-Milwaukee, UW-Green Bay, and you get a lot of good D3 schools. There's a ton of pride in La Crosse, in Eau Claire. You can go through the whole list. Platteville, certainly Whitewater, uh, Oshkosh. Uh, my God, uh, there, there's so much good D3 sports in the state of Wisconsin, but that's kind of the pecking order. So we pay a lot of attention to the Badgers. Got to pay a little attention. Come on. Come on. Got to give Marquette some love. What Shaka Smart has done there has been fantastic. And like I said, you're going to have three teams most likely knock on wood in the tournament this year, and we're looking forward to it. So let's do this. We're going to step away. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, ben Steele, the Journal Sentinel, covers Marquette basketball. He is going to join us. That is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Buzzard Billy's on Pearl Street in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Opened back in 1997 in that 1860s brick hotel. Love that place. They have bacon-wrapped shrimp. I was looking at this the other day, and I was starting to drool. Bacon-wrapped shrimp. Then they've got the Wisconsin beer cheese soup. And the hush puppies that are look like giant meatballs, that's a meal. It's it's a meal right there. Oh my God, it just makes you water. And then you get done, you eat a little bit. You're kind of like, eh, want to have a beverage? Go upstairs, Starlight Lounge, the craft martinis, or just a beer, whatever it happens to be. But uh, kind of takes you back into the 1950s style cocktail lounge. It's on the second floor of that uh, terrific building right there on Pearl Street in La Crosse. So either way, you can't go wrong. Buzzard Billy's downstairs, the Starlight Lounge upstairs. Tell both of them, David and Heather, that we said hi. Great people and great place, great service as well. I love it. Every time I get to lacrosse, that's where I go. Buzzer Billy's in the... Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Bill Michaels Show. Certainly appreciate you hanging out with us today. And you got, got to talk a little Marquette basketball. Marquette is uh, on the map and uh, playing well. Uh, playing well. And, and, and 
Tell you what, man, uh, if you look at the crowds at the five-serve forum, they're selling that place out on the regular now. Talk more about it. Ben Steele from the Journal Sentinel now joining us, covering the Marquette Golden Eagles. Ben, how you doing? Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. No, you bet, man. I appreciate you. Um, so, so give me the lowdown because we, as we start to turn the corner, now we're in February and we all start to eyeball March a little bit. So as things shape up, look, we know the Badgers have had a, a hell of a season, much better than many people expected. But this is kind of what we expected out of Marquette. You know, you get a little bit of an ebb and flow. The Big East is always extremely competitive. But give me your thoughts so far on Marquette basketball. Yeah, right now they're playing like we thought they were going to play as a Final Four national championship caliber type of team. They had a little blip at the start of the Big East season where they struggled a little bit. Everyone on the team seemed to be at a shooting slump at the same time, which is kind of rare. Um, they've, most of the players have gotten out of that. They've suffered some injuries, but they won five in a row now, uh, after a two game losing streak, uh, they kind of reassess themselves. Uh, the biggest thing is Tyler Kolick's gotten back to playing like Tyler Kolick. Uh, he told me after that little two game losing skid that they were on, that he had to get back to, to being the, the annoying guy, the guy that opposing crowds hate that he had to get back to talking trash. He's a real emotional player. So he had to get back to, to being that guy. And you see him like Marquette's kind of playing with an edge now, and that all starts from from Tyler Kolick. So looking at, I mean, obviously they're second place right now in the Big East, and they're they're seven and three in the Big East, sixteen and five overall, uh, but ranked number nine in the country. This team they they dropped off for a little while. They had a couple of tough losses, and then they rebounded from that. Pardon the pun. They rebounded from that. What's been the difference? Yeah, it's uh, the, the shooting, obviously. Um, they were really struggling. All the really good shooters were struggling at the same time, but that all the uh, the shooting percentages have increased back to their their normal percentages. If Tyler Kolick went through like an 0 for 14 stretch from three, but before that he was a 40 percent shooter, and now it's balancing back out the other way. Cam Jones the same thing, David Joplin the same thing. So all their good shooters kind of went through a a little mini slump, but they're all shooting at their regular percentages now. Um, they're kind of figuring out the rotations now. They they suffer some injuries. Backup point guard Sean Jones is out for the year with an ACL injury. Chase Ross, one of their best defenders, and the, their sixth man missed about five games with uh, a shoulder separation, but he returned in the last game against Villanova. So he's a, he's going to be a key player for them, and he looked really good against Villanova. It didn't look like he had missed any time at all. So it was kind of the rotations were kind of getting messed up, and the shooting was was hit or miss so to speak, but now, now it's kind of getting back to, to, to where they where they expected it to be. So who is the biggest threat to them uh, once they get to the, uh, once they get to the tournament, when you talk about some, cause you look at a team like St. John's obviously is a good mm-hmm. basketball team, but they're hanging around 500. Xavier's a good basketball team. They're hanging around 500. You got Creighton, you got Marquette, you got UConn, Seton Hall's kind of hanging around right there but they've had a couple of ugly losses, which is the reason they haven't cracked the top 25. Who's that threat? I mean, we know UConn and Creighton are, but who else is yeah. that threat? Yeah, UConn uh, is the biggest one, of course, uh, defending national champion. Uh, the teams that can beat Marquette, and you look at the losses and you look at the, the common themes across all those losses, if you have a really big big man who can get offensive rebounds, Marquette doesn't have a lot of, a lot of size. That's their biggest issue is the front court. Um, and also, if, if really physical teams can disrupt Marquette's offensive flow, um, 
and you see a lot of those teams in the Big East. Like Seton Hall is a is a is a bad matchup for for Marquette just cause with the with the way they physically defend the guards and can throw them off their game. That depends on how the referees are calling. When they were playing in New Jersey, that you saw that Marquette got really disrupted. That was during their their little two game losing streak that that kind of made them reassess themselves. So really really physical teams can really disrupt them. Teams with really good big men like UConn, obviously. You, you can get on the offensive boards against Marquette and get a lot of second chance points as points against them. That's those are the teams that, that give Marquette trouble. And one of the things that I've noticed about Marquette is, and it's kind of what I was talking about earlier with uh, the men's hockey program, but uh, they're pretty crisp. They don't throw the ball away. They don't turn it over mm-hmm. at a record rate. And that's one of the things. They're only averaging, I think, what, 10.3 turnovers or something like that? Yes. Uh, yes. Which, which is probably a little bit higher than you want. You want about seven or eight. But they don't turn the ball over. They do get turnovers, very fast hands. They're a team mm-hmm. that, like you said, they're not big down in the paint. They don't get a ton of blocks. But, man, they get a lot of second-chance opportunities. And they don't allow a lot of second-chance opportunities at the rim. Yeah, but yeah, Marquette, I think that goes to Shaka Smart's philosophy as a coach. He, he likes continuity and, like, you know, college basketball these days with the transfers and, and the one-time waivers and, and guys getting extra years and going other places. Uh, but Marquette doesn't have any, didn't add any transfers. These guys have all played together. And so I think it's that, that continuity that they all know each other's games they really well and they play off each other really well because they've been together for – most of this team has been together two or three years. Um so I, I think that's got a lot to do with it, and yet they're really disruptive on the defensive end. That's the biggest surprise for me this season is Marquette is a much better defensive team than I thought they'd be. They're even better defensively than they were last year when they were, you know, the Big East champions at 17-3. and three. Um, And that they really played a shock at Smart's philosophy as a defensive coach of being disruptive. He wants 32 deflections every game. That's a big number that he tracks. Uh, they track it on a whiteboard on the bench during games. Um, and they're really bought into that that disruptive style of play. They don't have, like you said, they don't have that that staunch big man in the middle. So the only way, and I've watched this team now numerous times, the only time this team really gets into a struggle is if they don't shoot the ball well. Because they, they can outrun yeah. a lot of teams, although Georgetown and such are, are really good at this, and UConn's really good at it, and they can move up and down the floor. Villanova's a pretty good team in that sense, too. But they get up and down the floor really well. They pass the ball really well. Like you said, they, they count deflections. But the only way is if, you know, like Kolick goes cold or Jones goes mm-hmm. cold or mm-hmm. Joplin goes cold. And if they yeah. go cold, usually somebody else picks them up. But if you get two or three of those those guys that start to go a little bit cold and it's just not falling, that to me is really the only way they've lost some of these games. Yeah, and that's what happened early in the Big East season when they lost three of their first five. Was all, all three of those guys that you mentioned, I mean, those are the best shooters, and those are the guys you want taking the shots. But during those three losses that they had early in the Big East season, that all three of those guys were cold at the same time. Uh, and that they have been prone to little scoring droughts this season. That's something that could come back to bite by Marquette um, in the in the end here. But uh, Jones and and Joplin and Kolick, the, the bigger sample size of them are are being good shooters as opposed to not good shooters. So I I I think you would bet on them hitting shots more often than not. And they just happen to to suffer through cold streaks at the same time. Right. Uh, before I let you go, hey, uh, they've still got some games, two of them against uh, the Huskies, 
One against Creighton yep. still. They still play a couple against Xavier, who's right there in the middle of the pack. It's not like it's an easy schedule. They can kind of pad a few stats and get down the stretch. Actually, it's one of those things where if you play really well, let's say you do knock off UConn. Let's say you do get a win over, uh, one more win over Creighton. And, and that propels you into the tournament. Otherwise, you can look at it as, man, that grind down the stretch, day in and day out, that can take a lot out of you come tournament time. Yeah, I mean, you look at the last three regular season games. I mean, they're at Creighton, they play UConn at home, and then they end on the road at Xavier. I mean, those are three tough games to finish out with. And, yeah, those they, they play UConn twice on the back half of their schedule. Those, those are the ones that are probably going to be the uh, – the de facto Big East championship games for the regular season, at least, just because those are the two teams that I expect to be there at the top of the, to the standings. And they meet for the first time February 17th at Connecticut, and then, like I said, March 6th here at, at, at Pfizer Forum. Those are going to be the two biggest games remaining on the schedule. Ben, great stuff as always. We'll talk to you once we get to the tournament, okay? All right, my man. I appreciate you. Appreciate it, bud. Talk to you soon. There you go. Ben Steele, the Journal Sentinel, joining us for a couple of minutes. Great to get him on. Talk a little Marquette basketball. Marquette right now second in the Big East, number nine in the country. And, uh, man, they uh, they got a tough stretch. They got two against UConn. They still have another one against Creighton, a couple against Xavier. They got teams hanging right in the middle that are right there. And it's, it's going to be a battle down the stretch for them. And if they survive that and still end up either coming in second or winning, the Big East, and, and continually moving up in, in the rankings, they will have earned it big time. Our friends at Masters Ease, they want to remind you, yeah, the big game's coming. If you see something today, you can get it tomorrow. You can get it about a weekend. That's Masters Ease on Blue Mountain Road in Brookfield, whether it's pool tables, gaming tables, uh, shuffleboard, darts, starts, accessories, all the pool table accessories and such that they have, or if you just want a bar and some bar stools. You know, maybe the old bar stools you have at your house are just ratty, and you want to get something that's good and it's going to last you a long time. That's our friends at Master Z's. They've got a lot of in-store specials right now. Call them today. They're right on Blue Mound Road in Brookfield, 262-746-5931. 262-746-5931 for all of the in-store specials. Again, that's Master Z's on Blue Mound Road in Brookfield. And as they say, see it today, get it tomorrow. And, oh, by the way, if you've got any kind of sales oomph in you at all and you've got a, a kind of a passion for this, they're hiring. They just had uh, somebody uh, somebody leave and uh, they uh, they got a couple of spots open. So he said to also put it out there that they are hiring right now as well. So if you're looking for a job, whether it's uh, selling the fire pits, the gas fire pits, the wood fire pits, the family fun night games, whatever it happens to be, the outdoor patio lifestyle, what, whatever you're thinking, whatever your passion is, they're looking for some good people over there as well. So, again, call them, 262-746-5931. Stay tuned. We got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after the Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. A reminder coming up on the 10th, Saturday night, the 10th, 7 o'clock. You can catch the best of the Bill Michael Show from uh, Radio Row and the Media Center in Las Vegas. It's coming up next Saturday. There's going to be celebrity interviews, 
news analysis. We're going to have uh, all kinds of stuff for you, getting you ready for the big matchup. And then, obviously, you can watch it on Saturday night, the night before, before Super Bowl, on My24 in Milwaukee. On My24 in Milwaukee. Looking forward to it. Uh, My24 has been good enough to come to us and say, hey, we want to make uh, the Bill Michael Show a TV show. So it's kind of our test balloon. So hopefully uh, we get a good – hopefully it's – it's. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully it's good, and we'll probably get home. I don't know if I'm going to get home early enough to catch it, but I'm certainly going to set my DVR for it. <laughs> just to see it and uh, and watch it. I mean, you can probably watch it online too because we don't get home, I think, until about 11 or 12 o'clock on Saturday night next week. So you get home in time to unpack a little bit, and then uh, we've got – I think we're going to have the Super Bowl party here this year back at the house. So then – and that's why I clean up the house tomorrow. So that way when everybody gets here the following week, it's easy. You just open the doors and everybody walks on in. You're good to go. You know, throw the uh, throw the game on the big screen and put some chili and stuff downstairs. Everybody brings something and grubbing down and a few beers and there you have it. Good stuff. So uh, that being said, but don't forget, uh, coming up on My24 in Milwaukee. And uh, once it's up, we'll post it on all of our social media platforms as well. So you can see it there. Uh, this one's from who's this from? This is from uh, this is from Jenner. Jenner says, uh, hey, guys. Great interview with Jocko. Love hearing to hear about love hearing to hear about the hockey programs at Wisconsin. Uh, they've done so well, and you are one hundred percent correct. Mark Johnson has been a blessing and a find. Uh, now on to the Green Bay Packers. Listening to Goody speak, uh, I know he doesn't have a lot of glowing things to say about the new defensive coordinator. Is it because he doesn't believe in him, and this was Matt Lafleur's hire, or is it because he doesn't know him? I uh, love the show. Appreciate it. Uh, can't wait for next week and hearing all the great interviews. Radio Row. And that's Jenner. Jenner, appreciate the email. Uh, I, I don't know. I've got to take a listen to it. Uh, and you're going to hear it coming up just after the top of the hour. So don't go anywhere. Coming up here in about five minutes, you're going to hear from Brian Gutekinds as he speaks to the media and talks about the end-of-season presser and the entire team and the, the franchise as a whole. But my guess is they probably don't know him real well. They, they, you know, they probably know of him and know of reputation and friends of friends and good things they've heard in the interview process. But I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard it, so I, I couldn't tell you. But uh, anyway, that being said, it's uh, I, my guess is that it's probably the latter and not the former. Probably the latter and not the former. If that makes sense. Uh, one more here before we, uh, before we move on. And who's this from? Let's see. Um, nah, I'm not going to do that. We already did that. This is Mike. Mike says, Hey, uh, I trust you guys. Uh, do you think this is going to be a good defensive coordinating hire? Uh, I know there's a lot of optimism and a lot of naysayers out there. I would assume the truth is going to fall somewhere in between, but we need a guy that's going to be in the top 10 for this team to really go far in the postseason. Mike, uh, that knocking on wood, that's the hope, but we, I don't know. I, I, I wish I look it. This it, talk shows what we do. We, we come to the table every day, we do a little research, we create a hypothesis or an opinion, and we deliver it. And in this particular case, I don't know. I, I'm like a lot of you. I just want to go, let the guy breathe for a minute, man. Let him come in, let him come in and do his thing, let him work with Goody on the personnel, and go from there. That's it. That's it. I, look, I, I think, and, and even the reactions are mixed. Bill Huber had an article last night that said, one scout said, man, really good hire. He's done some good things. He's a gym rat, loves the analytical side, loves looking and breaking down defenses. 
Okay, great. The other side said, oof, could have done better. You know, I know that all the national pundits have chimed in. This is a good hire. It's a strange hire. This guy's got roots in the NFL. This guy, you know, wasn't great in college. I mean, everybody's got an opinion. But I, 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 wish, I wish there was something that you could latch onto and go, okay, this is the reason it's going to work. You know why? Just like the speculation and skepticism regarding Jordan Love, because you want to believe it's going to be good. You want to believe it's going to fix whatever problems ails this franchise, defensively speaking. And because we haven't seen a, a punch-you-in-the-mouth, snot-locker, kick-your-ass defense, take the ball away in a long time. In a long time. And that's what we're dying for here. Because if you could just get that, if you could just get that, then the offense just needs to be the offense. It doesn't need to carry anything. It doesn't need to be spectacular. It just plays complementary football. Long drives, scoring drives, Defense gets a breather. Defense comes on the field, takes away the ball, beats the hell out of somebody, cr- you know, crushes a quarterback, collapses the pocket, you know, is able to cover down. That's what we want. It's been so long since we've seen that, and we haven't had it in a long time. That's all. So that's what I'm hoping for, and that's what I want to tell you. But right now, don't know. That's what they had at Ohio State, but nobody wants to give him any credit for that because he was a recruiter, not a D.C., even though he was a co-D.C. I'm sure he was in in those meetings setting up game plans, but because he was a co-D.C., nobody gives him credit for that. But if the defense and the secondary's bad in San Francisco, wow, he sucks. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know. Brian Gudekins, you're going to hear his comments. Don't go anywhere. It's coming up next, next on the Bill Michael Show. Stay right where you're at.